Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is M, and I want to talk about books and cats. So real quick, if you are enjoying this podcast, um, please subscribe and leave a rating. It helps the podcast be seen by more booking cat lovers. So today I need to dive right into my book. Um, I'm talking about Final Girls by Riley Sager. If you've been listening, I have already talked about two of his books. I am very into his writing. Um, he's my favorite newer author, uh, new to me anyway. If you've been listening to the podcast, then you know I've already talked about two of Riley Sager's books, but honestly, I'm probably going to talk about all of them. I'm covering Final Girls today, and then there's one other book that I have not read yet of his, and I actually already ordered it, and it should be here today. So that'll be coming soon. (laughs) Also, you should check out the books.cats.pod uh, Instagram. I recently posted a picture of my to-read shelf, I guess, um, and it's already out of control. And it's only January, so I'm super excited. <laughs> so let's talk about Final Girls. I bought this as a gift for myself uh, around Christmas time, and... I just kind of decided that I was going to read everything that Riley Sager wrote because I really liked those two other books. The Last Time I Lied and Home Before Dark. They're both excellent. So yeah, I've got one more after this one. It's arriving today. I'm also getting my January book of the month, which is actually two books today. Super excited. Uh, It's a good day for me. Good book day. So after I had devoured Final Girls, Andy saw the book laying on the coffee table and told me that we already had it on Audible. Um, whoops. (laughs) Honestly, I think that this was better for me to read as a paperback. Um, it was so good, and I read it so fast that I think, like, I felt like I couldn't read it fast enough, and I think I would have been impatient with the audiobook. Sometimes when I get really into a story, I just want it to go faster. And I'm a pretty quick reader, so sometimes I do get impatient with audiobooks especially with like a really good thriller. So Riley Sager is so good at giving you a hint and then distracting you for the rest of the book. Um, So for this one, I thought I knew who did it. And then I changed my mind several times, completely forgot about that initial thought. And then uh, the end revealed that my first hunch was actually correct. Um, It was just so great. I love the way that a good thriller unfolds and... Riley Sager is so good at it. I could not put this one down. I spent a full day reading it. Um, I kept getting annoyed when people would interrupt to talk to me. It was one of those days. I just had to keep going. I had to find out what happened next. I would get like, I'd get near the end of a chapter and I'd be like, okay, I really have to take a break. I need to go do like X, Y, Z. And then something would happen in the last like page or two. 
And then I would just have to keep reading. I could not put it down. So let's talk about the plot. A final girl is a term for the lone girl who survives in a horror movie. There's always one left over. Unfortunately, it is also what the press has labeled the only three women to survive massacre killings. Quincy is the newest of the final girls, though it has been years since she experienced the brutal attack and watched all of her friends die. For better or worse, she has blocked out the details of that night. No matter how much the police press her for information, she cannot remember a thing. There are two other final girls, Lisa and Samantha. When Quincy survives, Lisa tries to contact her and offers her help. Samantha vanishes off the grid, and Quincy never meets either of them. She wants to put the ordeal behind her and move on. She gets an apartment, starts an online baking business, and is living with her soon-to-be fiancé, Jeff. Things are going well, but days don't pass without her thinking about the incident. Then Lisa ends up dead from an apparent suicide, and the mysterious Samantha finally shows up at Quincy's door, looking for the only other one who knows what it means to be a final girl. And let's just say... Again, with these books, you can't say much because you don't want to give anything away, but let's just say that when the two final girls come together, things kind of go off the rails real quick. It is fantastic. Um, I really love this book. The stories are woven together in a way that keeps the pace of it moving at like breakneck speed. There's tons of twists and turns, um, and once Quincy's perfect facade has crumbled... Her character is so absorbing. Honestly, I was a little irritated with her at the beginning, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this character, but as soon as she cracked, so interesting. All of the characters are really well-written, interesting, and layered, and I love how we kind of get bits and pieces as the story goes. So, again, I don't want to give anything else away, but this is a fantastic thriller. Riley Sager is definitely one of my new favorite authors, and I will be covering the only book of his that I have not read. So at this point, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we are going to talk about six cat gods and goddesses from ancient cultures. And I'll have the quote of the week and the next chapter, chapter three of Heart of the Storm, my weekly writing project. Be right back. Happy New Year, book lovers. This year, I'm trying to take better care of my skin, and luckily, Athea has everything I need. They have some really great deals for the new year, everything you need to make your skin look fresh and protect it from damage. All of Athea's products use natural ingredients and are cruelty-free. Check them out using the link in the show notes, and you'll be supporting the podcast, too, which I would appreciate so, so much. Use the code ATHEAFCEQ to get 15% off. That's Athea capital A, small T-H-I-A, little f, capital C-E-Q. Don't worry, it's also in the show notes, so you can just copy and paste it. Treat your skin to some pampering and keep it looking healthy with Athea. Welcome back, book lovers. So I found an article on a website called catster.com. That is a real website. It has lots of cool cat things on it. Um, This article was called Six Cat Gods and Goddesses from Ancient Cultures. So most people, when they think about cat gods and goddesses, they think about Egyptians. This article covers cat gods and goddesses from other cultures, and for the sake of keeping the list short, it also did not include Native American cultures or folklore. It's amazing to me that cats are really in just 
absolutely every type of culture and usually revered, revered or sometimes feared. (laughs) So number one, we have Freya's cat-driven chariot. The Norse goddess Freya, deity of love, fertility, war, wealth, divination, and magic, rode in a chariot pulled by two giant gray cats that was given to her by the god Thor. Farmers left offerings for the cats in order to ensure a good harvest. Number two, a shape-shifting Peruvian god. I, a pick, definitely not saying that right, a god of the pre-Inca civilization known as the Mojica, also sorry if I said that wrong, it was often depicted as an old man with a wrinkled face, long fangs, and cat-like whiskers. He was said to have evolved from one of the ancient cat gods and to be able to assume the form of a tomcat. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Number three, a guardian of Chinese families. A cat god called Li Shao appears in the Chinese Book of Rites. He was worshipped by farmers because he protected the crops from being eaten by rats and mice. That could be why they're revered. Number four, a Polish protector. In ancient Poland, Ovinik, who appeared in the form of a black cat, was worshipped by many farming families because he watched over domestic animals and chased away evil-natured ghosts and mischievous fairies. Like most creatures in Slavonic mythology, they were great until you didn't appreciate them or give them what they needed. Then they did things like make mischief that could have tragic results. That seems pretty cat-like. Number five, a shape-shifting Greek goddess. Greek mythology tells of how the goddess Hecate assumed the form of a cat in order to escape the monster Typhon. Afterwards, she extended special treatment to all cats. And number six, a Celtic goddess's aids. Caridwin, probably saying that wrong, the Welsh goddess of wisdom and the mother of the famous bard Talizin, was attended by white cats who carried out her orders on earth. I had a white cat once that was named Tybalt um, after Romeo and Juliet because he was the prince of cats. Um, and Tybalt was completely white. He had the prettiest green eyes, but he was completely deaf, um, to the point where my husband could hold him upside down and he would think he was walking on the ceiling because he just had no, he had no equilibrium, like up and down weren't things to him. He was one of the strangest cats I've ever had. He used to be the strangest. And then I got Edweird and Sassers. They're both kind of strange, stranger than Tibbs. (laughs) I love white cats, though. They're so pretty. What's your favorite kind of cat? I do like white. I would have to say that black is definitely my favorite. Um, and then I also like that that kind of brown striped tabby cat that Sasser's is, too. She's so pretty. And you can see lots of pictures of my cats on the uh, books.cats.pod Instagram. I take a ridiculous amount of pictures of my animals. <laughs> so now it is time for the quote of the week. This week, I took a quote from the author Terry Pratchett. It was actually in the beginning of the cat article, and I like Terry Pratchett, so this was an easy choice. The quote says, In ancient times, cats were worshipped as gods. They have not forgotten this. And that is so very true. Every morning, I have to lift my oldest cat up to the food dish. Sometimes I carry him to the food dish. He's super spoiled. But that cat's a ball of love, so I don't mind. (laughs) so thank you so much for listening book lovers um i really really appreciate all of you if you have any suggestions for books or if you have funny cat stories or anything you'd like to share you can send me a message on instagram or you can email me books.cats.pod at gmail.com if you are enjoying the podcast and you haven't subscribed yet 
Please subscribe and leave a rating. It helps the podcast be seen by other people who might enjoy some books and cats babble. Um, and it helps me out a lot. So I would really, really appreciate it. And as you know, I love me some book of the month. If you are interested in checking it out, I have a referral link in the show notes. It's only going to be around for a couple more weeks. So take advantage. Um, and finally, if you stick around after the music, it is time for chapter three of my writing experiment, Heart of the Storm. And until next time, keep reading. Okay, so quick recap of chapter two. Harper and Kevo stumble into a magical store run by an odd woman who claims to have everything they need. But Harper fears that there may be a price. And now, chapter three of Heart of the Storm. Gemma watched Harper revive her gangly friend and half carry him back down the hill toward the gym. She made a few notes on her phone and returned it to her pocket. This was strange. She'd been following Harper for a long time, and she had never ventured up the hill. She'd never come close to the store before. Gemma swallowed hard. Lottie was stepping up her game. No doubt she was drawing Harper to her. She must have discovered a way in. Gemma was annoyed. She hurried across the intersection, sliding nimbly around the hood of a battered blue van, and darting down an alley when Harper turned toward the sound of the van's angry horn. She needed to be careful— It had been almost three years, and she had never made a mistake. Now was not the time to draw attention. Not when Lottie was back in action. She peeked around the corner and spotted Harper moving slowly under her friend's weight. Kevo. Gemma fell into step behind them and lowered her sunglasses. The lanky martial arts guy had not been part of the plan. It seemed that Lottie wanted him out of the way as well. Maybe she could just wait and let the old witch take care of him for her. Gemma hoped she had enough time. Harper struggled to yank open the cracked glass door of the gym. An unseen person grabbed the door and held it open for her. She managed to drag Kevo to a chair, but when she turned to thank her helper, no one was there. The gym was empty and silent. Harper grabbed the keys from behind the desk and locked the flimsy door locks. Not good, she muttered to herself, and blew a stray strand of hair from her face. Kevo groaned and slid to the floor. Harper knelt beside him. His body burned and was bathed in sweat. He groaned again and his eyes rolled back until only the whites showed. Come on, Kevo, Harper said softly. Stay with me. She felt panic fighting to break free and take over. Unwelcome tears dripped from her eyes and fell on her friend. They sizzled when they made contact with his skin, and he groaned again. There was more urgency mixed with the pain this time. Harper swallowed down the panic. She grabbed Kevo under his arms and dragged him across the gym to a pile of mats. She pulled one down and arranged him on it. She wiped her hands on her pants and went behind the desk to get a pair of scissors. Her heart was hammering in her chest, and her hands trembled when she sliced his shirt and pants, revealing more of his burning skin. Kevo sighed when the air touched his skin, and a brief look of peace crossed his face. Then his face contorted again, and he screamed. The sweat on his skin turned to steam, and his skin became a deeper shade of red. Harper tried to remain calm, She knelt beside Kevo as his body began to thrash. 
She raised her hands and his body went rigid. She drew slow circles in the air over him. Ice danced on her fingertips, and the air that flowed from her left traces of crystals in their wake. The crystals gathered on his body. The first ones melted and coated his skin in a brilliant sheen. The following crystals collected on his slippery, extinguished skin and formed a brilliant, glittering coat of ice. Harper watched them collecting and growing toward his face. They coated his features in a thick layer of ice, which cracked open around his nose and mouth. His breath came out as a puff of steam, and the relief in his sigh was palpable. Harper felt the tension drain from her body, and her rigid spine went loose. She smiled and tapped her hands on the thick coating of ice. With a loud, sharp pop, the ice cracked down the center and fell away from his body. Exhaustion swept over her, and she leaned her forehead to his chest and wept. Gemma pulled her oversized sweater tighter against the wind. The storm had been brief, but it brought with it a cold wind that chilled the bones and left a slippery sheen of frost on the sidewalks. But it was nothing like the storm happening inside the battered old muscle house. Kevo's family owned the building, and the gym was rarely occupied. Gemma wondered if Harper knew about the spells surrounding the gym. She had tried to slip in behind Harper when she held the door for her, but the building had repelled her. Whatever magic surrounded that place was strong and charged against her. She wondered who had said it, and who it was intended to protect. She cradled her left hand against her body. It throbbed from the blast of magic she'd encountered. The skin was ashy and burnt-looking, and pain throbbed through every nerve from her fingertips to her elbow. She fumbled with the black leather pack at her waist and produced a silver tube of round white tablets. The smooth coating helped it slide down her throat. She swallowed hard and felt the soothing effects moments later. Gemma felt lightheaded and had to steady herself against the wall of the shuttered hardware store across the street from the muscle house. Her body grew weightless, and the pain faded into the background. She felt a rush of wind, and she pitched forward onto the sidewalk. She didn't feel anything when her head bounced off the cement, but she did feel the cold hands that grabbed her and carried her away. Her body bounced like a rag doll over her captor's shoulder, and the glowing purple sign of the muscle house shrunk to a speck as she was carried away. Harper woke with a stiff neck and aching back. She was curled up beside Kevo, and as the sleep cleared from her foggy brain, she remembered the night before. She spread a hand over his chest. Life pulsed beneath her touch, and she smiled as relief washed over her. Kevo was okay. It had worked. What damage it had caused, she couldn't know. She would just have to hope that the surge in magic had gone unnoticed. Kevo sighed in his sleep, and she watched his even, steady breathing. The faded blue of his tattoos were blackened and singed. Harper traced her finger along a line on his forearm. It glowed bright under her touch, and then faded when she removed her fingers. She stood and stretched her arms overhead. Her back made a series of popping noises, but the ache was less. Harper moved to the window and looked out into the darkness of night. Across the street, in a pool of amber light, a tall man in a shiny silver tracksuit scooped up his girlfriend and jogged away with her over his shoulder. Harper smiled at the simplicity of young love. When she turned back to Kevo, she found him propped up on his elbows and watching her through his messy mop of hair. One corner of his mouth turned up in a small smile when he saw her looking. Hey, he said. His voice was hoarse and talking seemed to be a struggle. He brushed his hair out of his face and looked around the empty gym. What happened? And that is the end of chapter three, book lovers. 
Um, I hope you're enjoying this experiment. I am enjoying writing a chapter a week. It's definitely a new, uh, a new experience and so far so good. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of my books and cats podcast and I will talk to you next time. And until then, keep reading. It all started with mom. She's always had a way of making everyday moments feel like an adventure. So this Mother's Day, Kate Spade New York is here to help you thank mom and all the mother figures in your life. From our newest arrivals like springy dragonfly adorned handbags and jewelry to gifts under $100 to the best sellers on mom's most wanted list, there's something for everyone. Maybe you can even treat yourself too. Shop the Mother's Day gift guide at katespade.com.